Televisa presenta. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to La Cantina MX Football Podcast. New year, new soundtrack. After Chivas basically finessed everybody, we thought that they were going to come out on top this season, but it was just one game, guys. On the other side, though, Pumas. Pumas are the real deal, Holyfield. We're going to talk about a lot of Liga MX action that happened. And of course, since we are in the January transfer window, there are some still movements going on for Mexicans abroad. And uh, we're going to talk about that as well. Before I go any further, though, Joel, let's welcome him. Greetings, Jaime. Glad to be back. Match week two, I think you're a bit... You're being a bit harsh on the goats. <laughs> oh boy, the goats! You know, I should yeah. have. We should have known, right? We should have known. <laughs> well, some misfortune there, and uh, who was it, Godinho? Uh yes, yes, yes. So the back pass, um, he, they they do a back pass, and then Godinho. He fails to trap it, and it goes into the to the porteria. But it did bounce, so it hits it hits something on the on the pitch. I'm not sure if there was like a hole or what. But as it's rolling at him, all of a sudden it it does a bunny hop, and it was it was you know quick quick movement that he you know cut him off guard and and that. You know, very, very unfortunate, very unfortunate, and for that to happen. Yeah, for those who didn't watch the game, Pachuca hosted Chivas and Hidalgo, and it was uh, a back pass from Tiva Sepulveda to Godinho, and I don't, you know, there was a lot that happened in that. But yeah, the the ball took a weird bounce on on a little patch of, of the pitch. It bounced, and uh, Gudino didn't. I don't know. I guess maybe he wasn't tracking it well, or whatever the case may be. It was just an embarrassing way to concede uh, a known goal. And uh, yeah, Chivas tried to come back in the second half. Got a penalty from Angel Saldivar, but in the end, they lost two one. And uh, of course, the the way Chivas fans are, you know, we're emotionally high strung, and you know, we we build them one week and we destroy them the next week. It's just that's just how it is to be a a, a Chivas fan. I think like the the fans are just very very um, what's the word? Flighty. Flighty, fickle. Yeah. Yeah, very unfortunate. Uh, so one, one, one win, one loss. It's always going to be a tough match, you know, on the road. And then Pachuca, who seemed to have Chivas' number, so sucks. Sucks to go down, you know, like that on a on a non goal. 
Yeah, last week we were telling everybody that Michel Leano was Pep Guardiola in disguise. And uh, now <laughs> I was on Twitter and I was looking at all these memes of like Michel Leano like barbecuing or wearing like a Argentina jersey. And it's just like, like, damn, man, these, these, these people had these in the, in the, like they had a folder just waiting for, for bad things to happen. They just had all these, all this, you know, blackmail ready to go. And, uh, I don't know. This is not a very sustainable way of, of doing it week by week, season by season. Like, look, man, like I think Chivas fans just need to, to simmer down a little bit and, and just just expect disappointment. And that way you're never disappointed. I think this is the, just the pessimistic mentality that we must have because let's be honest, what has changed since last season? Not much. We we might have acquired a player, but we lost two. And we still kind of have like the same coach. So do you really expect things to just happen overnight? I don't think so. Mm. True. And on the other side, let's talk about Spumas because that first week they were in first place thanks to the goal differential. And things has not changed. They're still on top with six points. Let me tell you about this game against Nick uh, Querétaro to start off with match week two. Within four minutes, Querétaro was up. And I just started saying, oh, here we go. You know, it was just one week that they were going to be good. But shockingly, Pumas tied up the game and ended up winning the match despite being a man down. They ended up winning 3-1. They showed resilience and and uh, I'm very proud of them uh, to come back and win that match. It was not easy. It was on the road. And uh, because of that, they maintained their lead. With six points. Joel, are you there? Yes, sir. I'm right here. I'm listening. I'm listening behind me. Not, nothing much to add <laughs> here to Pumas. Uh, seems no goals from Rubalcaba, who was last 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 uh, week. The first match week, the sensation of the week. Um, but he's there, and, and you know, people are still hopeful that he might, he might be the one of the promesas for the for the Mexican uh, national team. Yeah, it was a quiet week for him, but we'll see what happens as the season continues to run its course. Let's talk about Rayados, the other game on Friday. Jesus, man. Necaxa, not even trying. Um, they <laughs> lost 4-0. Funes Mori started the party early, four minutes in. And they just steamrolled Necaxa, man. It was it was not even close. And, uh, you know, people forget, you know, Rayados have Aguirre. They have Gallardo. They have Luis Romo, Funes Mori. I mean, this team is stacked. Yes, and they they started with a draw, if I'm not mistaken, at yep. home against Kiretaro. So they made up, they made out, they made up for it with with this win over Necaxa, who, you know, 
they they are the first Liga MX team with an NFT. Oh man, I mean I understand <laughs> the uh, American acquisition. You know, like fifty percent of the teams owned by like a bunch of random celebrities, including you know Mesodazil and Eva Longoria and. Yeah, there's just like a weird list of people that are backing Nekaxa. Now they're doing this NFT thing, but I feel like they need to focus on what's important, and that is uh, getting results inside the pitch, not off. Well, if it's long-term, you know, sometimes it's like, all right, this is going to be a long-term project, and we're going to start, you know, fixing the team little by little. Then you sh- we shouldn't be too just judging on, on the – and the results. I mean, that's the end goal to have a team that that is successful. But but if you're gonna, you know, start with the building blocks, then we can't, you know, we can't just go off of those results. We gotta see what areas they're improving. So and you know, we haven't, we don't really follow Necaxa closely to know, like, you know, are, are they. Are they investing on their youth program? Are they, you know, brought in coaches? There's all these things that they could be doing that we probably don't know about. Time will tell, Mihaime. Only only time will tell. Well, but, you know, if, if this if this pans out for them, this this ownership group. I don't know, man. We'll see. I'm sure they're not happy seeing zero points in two games and let's not forget you know last season they but they were there's no relegation so i mean what for now you know, what's there to worry about that's true we still well, don't I know mean, that's how much longer they're gonna do that but i guess for now but they're see, safe and, and, and i'm gonna say that's that's why like if you want to start a project with youth or you want to start something that it's kind of be long term I would take advantage of that and then just do it and then not care if, if how the team's doing on the table, because you're, you know, you just have that freedom right now of, of like, of having those bad results. And then you're able to, you know, put forth something in in the institution. Um, Chivas, for example, they should promote as many youth as they can just throw them in there. Let's see which ones pan out. Yeah, they should, and we'll see. I mean, they, they they're always the ones leading in uh, debuting players and giving players under twenty three minutes. So, you know, they're that. I don't think that'll ever change for Chivas. Some other results this weekend. The Champions Atlas. Uh, if you guys forgot, they didn't play the first game of the season because of COVID. They had a lot of infected players. So this was technically their first game of the season in front of their fans. And they won. But there was a lot of criticism because they were the champions and the turnout was not so great. They didn't even have a packed stadium. And, uh, yeah, I just saw that it was looked pretty empty. And that's it's pretty sad for the, the current champions of, <laughs> of Mexico, especially considering that too. this is their first title and, you know, feels like forever. So. 
yeah, like seven years. It is surprising, uh, especially because Atlas had proven to be one of those uh, have a very loyal fan base. So I have to imagine that they that they increase the ticket price. What I'm thinking uh, is that they were a little bit more strict with who's allowed in the stadium, and it could be that they were asking for like proof of vaccine or something. I think that was one of the issues that they were dealing with. On, uh, yeah. Okay, I see. I see what's going on there. Uh, these atlistas, a lot of them, they look like hooligans. So probably <clears throat> they're unvaxxed. Maybe they just had like that post nut clarity. You know, they were holding it in for so long. <laughs> they finally get the championship, and they're like, "All right, cool. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll, you know." Don't call me, I'll call you kind of thing. <laughs> you know, San Luis doesn't really bring a large crowd, so I, I don't blame them for, for not being, you know, at capacity. But still, you know, just something to keep eye of. I'm very curious to see what their attendance looks like this season. Um, speaking of attendance, Tigres, which, if I'm not mistaken, has the best attendance in Mexico, lost to Puebla 2-0. Carlos Salcedo with the own goal off his own ball sack. I got to applaud this guy. And that's how he leaves, right? Uh, Because I think he's going to Toronto. Carlos Salcedo? Yeah. I thought he's he's going back to Europe, man. Did he go to Toronto? No. That's um, Insigne. No, no, they they got um, they, they signed another dude. Um, from my understanding, oh wow, it, it's official. I didn't know that. You you you're making me doubt it, Jaime. Oh, I didn't know that. Wow. So that was his last game. With the Tigers, and leaves at own goal. Oh boy! Yeah. So there it is. Um, well, that's disappointing to hear. And own goal, and then um, and then Gignac missing a penalty kick. Yeah, what's up with that? I, I see Tigres bouncing back. Disappointing result, but I think they have. You know, it's it's one of those bad games where all these things line up. You know, own goal, missing penalty kick, whatnot. But I, I see them bouncing back from this. I don't think they're gonna be. They're gonna be. Um, you know, they're in, they're they're gonna be suffering throughout the season. At, um. One thing I forgot if we mentioned it last podcast, but they just announced that they're going to be building a new stadium. They've been, yeah, they, they've been, um, it's been on the works um, that, you know, and, and they have that long running rivalry with, with Rayados and, and you saw them, they did their stadium first. They beat them to the punch. And I, I think this will be their stadium because the stadium they use, I believe it's from the university. university. 
Yeah. Yeah. So that's weird, though, because they're going to be building it, if I'm not mistaken, in the same spot. So they're going to tear down the... uh... Okay, so... Yeah, we we should look into it and see what's going on there. Is it are are they still tied? Is it still going to be tied to the university and whatnot? Um, if it's, I'm guessing it is. If it's in the same venue, so a new volcano, huh? It says Diga's new stadium will be located on the property of Nuevo León Autonomous University. That means that it will not be far away from where the traditional 55-year-old and 42,000-capacity stadium currently is. Oh, so so they're building it. Okay, not, not, they're not tearing it down then. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's on the outer limits. So, yeah, I guess it's not going to be too far. One thing to note is that it's going to have a capacity of 65,000 and that it has a retractable uh, court. So they're anticipating hosting NFL games, I'm sure concerts and stadium, you know, concerts and all that. And uh, this will be done just in time for the 2026 World Cup. So... I don't I don't see like one city having two venues. Has that been done before? Like for a World Cup, like usually they like to spread it out, you know, like you have one stadium in like each state or something. I know from like the proposal um El Omni Life from Chivas or El Estadio Crow now. That one for sure is a shoe in, El Azteca's a shoe in and then Rayado Stadium was a shoe in. But I don't know if there was another venue um, so it'll be interesting to see what happens. Yeah, well, FIFA loves them new stadium, so, you know, if they have it there and it's available, I don't see why not. But yeah, one thing to note is Tigres have the best attendance in the, in Liga Mekis, and they're also, from my, uh, from my understanding, not the cheapest either. Like, they have some of the highest, uh, ticket prices. Yeah, well, Monterrey, that city is is been known for a long time for having been well off, and the joke was always because they're they're stingy, son codos, oh. and that was always the joke, the long running joke in Monterrey. You know, they don't they're penny pinchers. Well, I'm a big fan of new stadiums, especially in, in Mexico. So, you know, that's good news. And, you know, I, I do agree this is just a temporary setback for Tigres. As far as losing at home to Puebla, it's kind of a shocker there. Um, but they have enough squad to, to turn things around. This is a very, even though it's a short season, it's still kind of a long season. Like, you can just get hot at the right time and, and coast into the repechaje. So. You just got to finish 12. Yeah, exactly. And right now they have one point currently in 14th position. But guess what? So are the positions 10 through 8. Well, America has one point. Leon has one point. Santos have one point. So there's a lot of teams with just one point right now. But, um, yeah. Cruz Azul. Cruz Azul, yes. 
Charlie Rodriguez. Oh boy. Just continuing continuing his amazing start, his debut with Kusasu last week. He he scored on his debut and he scored again five minutes in. And Cruz Azul ended up winning 1-0 against Juarez. And, uh, yeah. I feel like maybe they got the better end of the deal. Uh, Luis Romo at Rayados has been, uh, it's been okay. Do you, do you know who gave the assist for that win, Jaime? Uh, I'm not sure. No, I think you know the guy. Oh, uh, was it Antuna? Yes. Oh. <laughs> he got a lot of flack <laughs> the first match week, but he's back. He's a good player, man. Sometimes sometimes fans just, you know. Well, he got the start again, so he, uh, he has some shoes to fill with losing Piojo. Tijuana and Leon tied 1-1. And Toluca bounced back and beat Santos 3-1. And uh, it's a better second week for Nacho Ambriz. It is. And, and were they in the road? They were at home. They were at home. Well, but I mean, still, Santos is still, it's, you know, it's, they're a tough team. So, and, and, you know, we talked about it last week about how, how it sucked to have lost the way they did and then to have to go up against Santos. Uh, but I, I, so I do consider it a, a very good win. You know, uh, it's, it's sometimes not that easy to get up from a defeat like that. Yeah, 5 0. Yes. <laughs> So they, you know, not not only that, you know, they put three goals, which it's, 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 um, now they're not at minus five, they're at like minus two, no, minus three, right? Because the other team scored one. So they're at minus three, but still uh, an improvement there. I mean, I, I, yeah. I have faith in Nacho. I think I want, I like want to see what he does with the, with the Diablos. And I'm hopeful for Mr. Nacho. He is. He left one of the best teams, uh, one of the best coaches in the league. You know, so again, we shouldn't be surprised if he has Diablos as contenders by the end of the season. You know, they've certainly shown that they're able to to compete. They just lack consistency, and hopefully, they could get this with Ambris. Yeah, we'll see. I really don't see what. Cristante was doing so bad, but I guess they just weren't happy with him. But yeah, sometimes you lose the locker room. Sometimes mm-hmm. uh, players will lose faith in you, or sometimes stuff just doesn't go wrong, uh, go right. You know? Yeah. Like you could, because yeah, he started. Cristante started really good. You know, he had them. He had them cruising at the top of the table, and then. They hit that slump, yeah. and they weren't able to get back up, and and that's that was unfortunate. What's also unfortunate is America didn't play this weekend. They'll have to make up that match later on in the year. 
but there is some transfers that have been made official. The first one's going to kind of sting a little bit, and it's uh, Sendejas has uh, joined America. Former Chivas player. He was uh, on loan at Necaxa, and they allowed... Chivas allowed him to uh, stay there free of charge. And, uh, yeah, he's joining America. And uh, we'll see how it goes for him. The, the rumor is that that uh, Chivas did some deal with Necaxa so that Necaxa could get the player on a free transfer. But then they were going to get a percentage of the fifty percent of of the sale. So I don't know. I don't know what's going on there. Um, you know, uh, you know if 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 true, then good for Chivas. Uh, if not true, then man, that's just unfortunate because Chivas has been struggling not just to buy but to sell players. Yeah, I don't understand what's going on, man. I mean, we've had some really good players. Just We just let them leave. Uh, you know, Alan Cervantes and Alejandro Sendejas. And uh, I don't know, man. I, I just don't get it. These players could would be nice to have on our squad right now. Um, but they were always just, like, loaned out for some reason. And I, I never understood that. You know, they just never got well, the... Part of it is, is you know, because you have to maintain. Um, what is what is the word I'm looking for? You know how how much money they have for wages, salary cap. There you go. So they probably have X amount that they could spend on players. I doubt he's on, making on any their wages. Huh? So I doubt he's but, like burning a I hole know, in their but, pocket. Well. Not maybe not one, but then when you lump in together three or four or five players, and then you know, that, yeah, but you just freed up like up. you freed up like a million and some change from not having Peralta. So it's like, I just don't get it, man. Chivas really makes like some of the worst deals ever. Like, <laughs> and then we try to buy him back later, and it's just like, oh god, this is this is terrible. But. You know, good for Alejandro Sendejas. He, part of him even uh, making his career in Liga Mekis, he had to give up uh, playing for the United States because he did come from the Dallas Academy and he went to Chivas and agreed not to take any more call-ups from the United States. And, um, you know, I think that he could have probably played for the United States at one point. Um, on the senior side, and uh, I don't expect him to to play for the national team. I know he he did play a friendly match against Ecuador, but uh, his chances of going to a what? World Cup are a lot slimmer in Mexico. Well, he's, he, he is at America now, so good good performances there. We'll we'll open that door, you know. Yeah. Another player that America bought, Jorge Mere. Not really sure who he is, but he comes from Spain. 
a Sporting Gijón, and then he went to FC Colón. Uh, I got a feeling that this is uh, this is also Lari. Ah, uh, definitely, man. Probably one of his boys. That's an agent over there. You know. They all get a cut. They all get a piece of that pie. Yeah, because he did spend time in Spain. I just, I don't know. It's kind of, it just feels like, oh. Prefers a Spanish center back over the current crop of, of players at America. I'm not sure, but everybody's uh, drooling at the mouth over there. You know, America always finds a way to get, you know, like, I guess, like big signings and stuff. They haven't really, though, for a while where it's like, you know, they haven't really had that you could say like a top signing. Like, mm. it, they brought Geo. And that wasn't really. He was coming in through the back door. Talking about the back door. <laughs> Marco Fabian has a team. Looks like <laughs> Masatlaner gambling on him, and they announced him. Yeah, he had been at, at Juarez, and he was just, you know... Didn't make much noise, and now he's he said Masatan, and it's 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 kind of sad because he went from being one like a selection player, you know, one of the most sought after players, and then his he hasn't really done much since like when was it since like twenty nineteen. So he was at the Union, 23 games, 7 goals. Then he went to Al-Sat. He only played 3 games, scored 1 goal. Then he came to Juarez, 24 games, 0 goals. And now he's at Mazatlan. So oh, he's they, they hyped him up, dog. Mazatlan being Mazatlan as far as you know their Twitter account. He put campeón en México, campeón en Alemania, campeón de CONCACAF, oro olímpico. Like, they're just hyping this dude up. Where are you? You got to sell shirts, man. <laughs> and uh, I'm like, dude, this is not the same guy that you, got you all do, that. But you do have to remind people who he is, you know? Yeah. People I, forget you know. sometimes. I think, um, you know, good for him. He's He's employed now and... We'll see. I mean, Mazatlan could definitely use him. I feel like they uh, they kind of have a chip on their shoulder because they're the new team and a lot of a lot of haters because they took over Morelia's like, Twitter account without saying anything, and you know they've kind of just well, they, they, they've kind of they, like they a, brought, they've adopted this like we, bad boy bad boy like reputation already. But go ahead. Well, it goes a bit more than just taking over the the Morelia Twitter account. They they bought their way into Primera División by by buying Morelia, 
and then just relocating the team and renaming it. Yeah. Well, there was the franchise. You could say that mm-hmm. they bought the franchise or the the rights to be in first first division. And you know, in soccer, that's looked down upon. People don't care in other sports, but in soccer, there's always been that whole kind of win your way into the first division. You know, play your way into the top flight. And so it always seems like yeah. a cheap way to get there. Which is interesting because in American sports, this happens all the time. You know, the Seattle, uh, uh, what is it called? Supersonics and, the, you know, Oklahoma and all these teams get relocated and bought. And, you know, this happens a lot in American sports. But in the world of football, this never happens. Like, that's your team until, you know, they go broke. And that's that's basically it. But yeah, this whole like restructuring or transferring of franchises happens quite frequently in Mexico. Yeah, and especially because they they sort of wanted to emulate, you know, the American sports. Uh, big big reason they have the whole draft, you know. El Mercado de Piernas, and it's it's patterned after the American sports. I mean, even even if you remember the old logo, the old um, FMF logo, uh huh, it looked it looks like the NBA. Yeah, it does. It's very similar. Uh, and that's, you know, that's always been, you know, it's kind of on purpose where they're trying to, you know, they always, I, I think it's not, it's not a bad sometimes to, to get ideas or get inspired, but I feel that sometimes like they don't need to in Max, like they have plenty of good stuff already. And I feel that that's like a downfall where they like, They'll overlook. They'll overlook what they have to try to emulate something from abroad. Speaking of abroad, brings me to our next segment. I got a lot to talk about. Starting with Chucky Lozano. If ever he was out with COVID, he's back in the team, and he just shut up all his haters. Uh, he's been getting a lot of criticism over there in Italy. I'm not sure why, maybe because he's Napoli's most expensive signing. Um, But he scored both goals against Bologna yesterday and was named player of the match, man of the match, I guess. And uh, just a a great way to shut everybody up. Not sure why everyone's hating on him, but two goals that he did a good job. Some of his comments were unfortunate, though. I think he said something that he wanted, something along the lines he was using Napoli as a stepping stone. Oh, yeah. And it's like, dude, this is Napoli, man. The fans are not. They don't see their team as being, you know, a small team. Even though, you know, yeah, compared to to the big teams they are, but fans aren't going to. They're not going to take it that way. 
Yeah, absolutely not. And for those that don't really understand, <clears throat> I spent a lot of time in, I spent like a month in Italy. It was one of my favorite countries when I was backpacking. And my favorite part of Italy was actually in Naples. I love the South because it was not like the North. It wasn't even like Rome. It was very, very like the city had character. It was not clean. There was graffiti and it was, it was more of like, You're like right at home, Jaime. Well, it was just like, this is like the part of Italy that, you know, people don't want to see. And I remember like Americans, I would run into them in hostels and they would tell me not to go there, you know? And, and I was like, why? And it's oh, cause it's dirty and there's like gangs and, and it's like, you know, I'm like, and I went there and I thought it was amazing because I really felt like I was in, you know, it's like when you go to Mexico and you go to Cancun and then you go to like an actual, like an actual city where it's like, okay, yeah. this is, this is Mexico. And that's how I felt with Italy. Like I went to all the touristy spots where everybody spoke English and then I went to the South and it's just like, whoa, this is dope. And I did go to a, a Napoli game and their stadiums like falling apart and it just looks like an old coliseum man and it's and the fans are just so hardcore and and uh they still have uh banners of maradona and they still praise him highly like they they'll ever they'll they will always hold on to the fact that maradona played for napoli and um and they have a big chip on their shoulder because all the teams from the north hate hate the south uh, because it's division of like the poor and the rich and the South is not that rich. So, um, you know, Chucky Lozano, I don't know if he knew that going into Naples, but you know, they criticize you heavily. And, and that's a, that's a place where you have to wear the shirt and you have to be proud to be Napoleon. And, um, yeah, it's just one of those things for him to say that, Oh, you know, this is a stepping stone or, you know, I look forward to like using this to catapult my career. Oof, that was a big no, no. And I think from there he was kind of off to the wrong foot with them. And then also obviously with Gattuso as well, you know, he was not even considered for some of the matches. He was on the bench. He had, he had a lot of growing pains with Gattuso and he, he was able to turn things around with him. Now he's not even the coach anymore, but, um, Napoli are in a good spot. They're in third position, 46 points. And, uh, Right behind Milan with forty eight and Inter on top with fifty. So this this uh, Serie A is up for grabs. Uh, Juventus is on a downward slope. Well, yeah. you know the thing, Jaime. Goles on amores. As long as he keeps scoring, yeah, he'll win over the fan base. You know who's not going to win over the fan base is Bisuto. Eugenio Pisuto, remember that player that went to uh, Lille and was a champion without ever even debuting for the team? Well, he has parted ways with them. They decided to cancel his contract, so he's now a free agent. No no idea yet where he's going. Huh? It's really unfortunate because he he went out from Pachuca and everything looked good. And then he just had a really terrible injury and, uh, just hasn't been able to get his career career going. And, uh, there is a rumor that he might be going to Celta Vigo over there with Orbelin and Nestor Araujo. There's also a rumor that he might go to Chivas. 
Ah, well, she was. Well, I just hope he doesn't have that type of injury where it's it's it affects their careers, and then they're not. You know, the players aren't able to to get back to that level that that they showed. Uh, we've seen it with with like um. Oh man, what's this guy's name? Pinarellano. Such a great talent. He was having such a such a good career. He his games in Libertadores were, were fun to watch. He's scoring some amazing goals and then he got injured and he never fully recovered and, and he kept playing, but he was never at that level that, that he showed that it was just very promising. And so I hope it's not, he doesn't have one of those type of injuries. Because, you know, for the club to let him go, they must uh, make an assessment and say, you know what? Yeah, it's too much uh, of a too much of a risk. Yeah, too much of a risk. Doesn't seem like he's going to pan out. Let's just cut our losses now. He broke his fibula. I mean, that is, that's the big bone, you know? Damn. Uh, and dislocated his ankle after getting his foot caught on the pitch. So, yeah, I mean, it's just one of those things, man, where such an unfortunate thing that happened. If I'm not mistaken, he had a really good, um, like, under-17 World Cup, and that's kind of how he got catapulted. Um, he is from Italian descent. His father's from Italy. So he already has a European passport, so he has, you know, a chance of staying out there. I think the or, emo- or going back. Or, or going back, I mean, I feel that yeah. for some of the players that return, there's nothing wrong with returning. It just it becomes more difficult. But if he already has that EU passport, mm-hmm. I think as long, you know, because what, what you want is playing time. Yeah. Like it's no good staying in Europe if you're not gonna <laughs> This dude's barely debuted. So it's like he debuted yeah, for for Pachuca and got injured eight minutes in, so it's like this guy hasn't even had his career like started yet, his professional career. Wait, we're talking Pisuto? Yeah. But you said Pachuca? Yeah, he was he was he was from Pachuca's Academy and on his debut he got injured. Wait, on his debut with who? Pachuca. And then he went Wait. to and then he went to Lille. Even though he had been injured? Yeah. In, and then did he get injured there again? It says that uh he made his debut. I thought he got injured over there. No, he got injured uh in uh like after his debut. Oh. Yeah. Man. I mean, had they already bought him? And and it just, it, that's kind of confusing. Yeah, I'm not sure. Unless Pachuca did, because Pachuca, you know, they've been known to do these type of deals where they're mm-hmm. like, you know, we'll send you there. And, but for the contract, we'll, we'll put a stipulation where it's like, we, if you get sold, we get X amount. Yeah, I'm not sure. Oh, I was hearing the story. I thought he got injured in France. I mean, if he but if he left, could be that he he just hasn't, you know, 
I would, you know, from him, I would return to Max, a team, get as much playing time, and, and I'm sure he could go back if he wants to. We'll see what happens. It's just your, it's just your contract, you know, you can't get greedy and then blame the clubs. You, you yeah. can't sign a massive contract and then expect the club to, to sell you for cheap when some team comes calling. So you have to do that sacrifice and say, no, I want to go back, so I'm I'm going to... I'm not going to take the cash now. I'm going to wait. But uh, a lot of players don't do that. They'll see the, they see the big check, and then they'll be like, all right, where, where do I sign? Some more window, January window, uh, rumors and speculations. Well, this is really about Diego Lainez and J.J. Mack. Um, J.J. Mack might be... I don't know how this. I don't know how this how this works, but Getafe Getafe might loan him out to another team, and I don't know how that how you can do that. It's like you go to uh, Hertz and you rent a car, and then and then you get, you let somebody else you let somebody else rent it. Like how does that even work, bro? But uh, yeah, that's that's yeah, that's interesting. It's like you don't really have the. I don't think you should be allowed to do that, man. It's like, it's not your car, bro. Might as well just send him back to Chivas. Well, I mean, but he really wants to stay over there. There's a He's very determined. There's a rumor that he might go to uh, the French League. So we'll see. Um. Yeah, let's see, man. Chivas could use him. <laughs> I, uh, I think he wants to come back. But. Yeah. Another thing too. So Real Betis played today, and I watched the game. They were up like man three zero before the first half ended, and um, I don't know if you remember that incident between Matt. Miyazaga and Diego Linus were. Yes, I do. Where he, yes, I do, sir. Yeah, he, he did. He uh, he was making fun of his height. Yeah. And then uh, who was it that went to score up with him? It was one of the taller players because Masiaga's about six five, and this guy pretty much matched him. Um, let me uh, see. I remember. I remember another player went up. And that's the one thing that I've seen. I got the clip. It was Saldivar. He went in to defend his honor. What's that man? He must have been what at least six two. But I, I remember uh, guy going up saying, "What's up?" Um, yeah, yeah, <laughs> So, man, you couldn't script this any better. But Miyazaga now is at Alves, and oh man. The blunder that he did today, he had the ball, and without even looking back, he just kicked it back to the what he thought was the goalie, but he gave it he gave it to the number nine of Betis. He just gave him the ball and he scored. It was like the <laughs> stupidest. I, like it was one of the most embarrassing he gave things. Him a pass. I wonder if it counts as an assist. That was definitely um, an assist, man. And uh, unfortunately. Diego Linus was on the bench up until, man, the 83rd minute. They finally decide. Keep in mind, they were up 3-0. 
before the like 41 minutes in, you're up 3-0. And even then, Linus can't even get scrap minutes, dog. And they were they were saying on the broadcast, like, you know, it's time for him to leave because it is, yeah. This is embarrassing. Yeah, you know, you had the press the vice president went to Mexico to talk to his family and to negotiate the deal and, and so they were they were talking about, you know, that they they saw him as as one of their key players. Um but doesn't seem like the coaches they've had have been too willing to give him enough time. And I think, did he just get an EU passport? Um, he's about to get it. I'm pretty sure he's got it. I remember reading about that. Um, so if he didn't get it recently, he's about to get it. Cause he's been there since that, uh, 2019. So we're, we're coming up on three years. So he should be eligible. I think in Spain, if you're like from a Latin American country, um, you you get it within X amount of years. And then if you can prove like ancestry, like like a, a grandparent, great grandparent, whatnot, uh, even faster. Yeah. So I, I don't know what it was with him, but. Having it, it should open some doors for him. I know there'll be some clubs willing to take him. He, he is a talented guy. But I, I agree, man. If you're not getting that playing time, you you know, you you need to be in a club where you are because that's always going to – that's always, like, better overall as a player to, to get as much playing time as you can. Supposed to, oh, I'm in this really good club, but then you, you rarely play. I would take I would take the player getting more PT over the guy that's just on the bench. You could say, oh, well, he's learning from this coach or he's under these guys. But, how, you know, really, how how much is that going to be of an influence? Didn't, who was it? Gudinho? Wasn't he under Buffon? Who, who was it? One of, one of the Chivas yes, yes. guys said. Cause there you go, and and I mean, dude, not like he came back with improved FIFA ratings. You know, if, if you're not playing, doesn't matter, dude. You could be carrying that guy's bags, or yeah, being a super eats is not. It's not gonna really help you. You have to get. You have to get those minutes. That's why I'm, I see like all these fans always celebrating. Um, Flores scoring all these goals in in the youth, the under twenty three at Arsenal, and it's like he just scored two today. Yeah. Yes, but it's the youth, you know. It's like he—I feel he has the talent to be playing at a at a, you know, higher 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 level than than a youth tournament. Yeah, and you know, hindsight, man, hindsight for Macias and Linus, and I can't think of more players that. Because we we romanticize the idea of Europe because it's where the best players play, and you know we're on this like arms race. I feel like we're in an arms race with, um, United States. You know, because oh, <laughs> every week they're exporting somebody to Europe, but it's like, dude, it's not even a like. Stop worrying about what they're up to, man. Like they've always had players in Europe, and you know, look at their their product, you know, and it's just like. 
I hate that right now the mentality with, I guess, like the younger generation or this, like, new generation where everything's on social media and Reddit, you know, these guys, like, they start foaming at the mouth or not foaming, but drooling about any any player that's linked to Europe or is in Europe, and it's just like, what what good has that been? Look at Diego Linus's career, man. He was just getting his career started at America. He 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 was doing yeah. really well, and then he goes to Betis and he gets you know a little bit better physically as far as like getting yoked and all that. And, and it's just and, like and just 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 let's wait. I just want to stop yeah. right there because that's been one of the talking points that players get bigger, and it's true. But it's not that you can't get bigger in Liga MX because we have had players that are physically strong. Uh, I do think it's up to that player at that point if if you know if they're gonna prioritize that that aspect, you know. Yeah. So I, I just wanna see the, just wanted to say that really quick yeah. because it it's always been um I, I feel like take too many hits on, on the on the league and, and it's like you know, not sometimes for things that it's not really like the league's fault. But but I mean, go go on, go on, Jaime. Well, I'm just looking like had he stayed at this trajectory at America, he probably would have had yeah. over a hundred games under his belt by now as a professional yes, and, and played some championship games. Yeah, and and and, um, and probably win. They would have won. I, I you know, he yeah. has that type of talent. I wouldn't be surprised if they would have won some of those tournaments with him, you know? Mm-hmm. And uh, it's just like, I wish we could like compare the two. Like, all right, here's a player. He has a choice of going to like Europe or staying in Mexico. Let's see how they go. You know what I mean? I wish there was like a, like a way we could like see this scene, this through, but I can, I can already assure you that he would have had much. He would have been, way more developed if he would have stayed in Mexico or if he had gone to Ajax. I feel like like Mexicans and, and the Dutch league, they just go together like peanut butter and jelly because it's a very good league to, to you know, leapfrog from. And I mean, yeah, well, even youth, youth because yeah. they, they, um, they're not afraid to play the youth and, and, they, and they like that. They're farmers league for the most part. Yeah. Without due respect. But where they'll, they'll, most importantly, it's a it's a a very offensive league. It's all about attack, 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 and I mean that's like a dream for a player like Linus, and that's actually why um, I was watching Ronaldo, like the Brazilian Ronaldo, and you know they all said like that was the best move from him to go from Brazil to Holland, despite the language barrier and the food and the weather, like the fact that the the league itself was offense oriented. And he just took that and he scored like 30 goals in his first season. And I'm like, man, I feel like Linus, he should have got like, if you're going to go to Europe at a very young age, like go to Ajax, man. That was, that was the, that was the move. I, you know, but I also feel is, is the coach. If you're with the, with the type of coach that's going to utilize you. And, and I always use the example of Chicharo, right? He went straight to Man U. Yeah. That's because Alex Ferguson already had, in mind, now he was going to use him and get the best out of him, and he scored over 20 goals his first season, he, you know? And so I feel the same with this kid. He just never has, hasn't had a coach that I feel 
trust him or 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 that employs a tactic where he could get the best out of Linus because we, and I you know we've seen it with other players. I don't know if you remember with Van Gaal was it when he goes to Barcelona and they have Riquelme and he just didn't like him and he they sent him to Villarreal and and that team with with Riquelme man they they became a really good team. Um, and so, yeah, I do think a lot of times the coach has a big, you know, uh, uh, and, and I think that's more too when, when you talk about the Dutch league, how they're very offensive. And so, yeah, you, I, I say I would, I would agree with that and say that's why a lot of these players end up doing good there. Yeah. And, uh, well, they paid $14 million for him and – He's only worth about five right now, according to transfer market. So, I mean, everybody kind of lost out on that one, I think. But, I mean, another thing, too, like, if you're Betis, bro, you spend this much on a player, you don't play him. Like, what's wrong with you, man? Like, I don't know. There's just a lot of things. I'm just like, really? Like, what what happened here? <laughs> they need Gattuso, man, to... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. To, 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 well, I don't, and I don't think it's Linus, man. I, I just, I don't think it's him. Um, and and they even have Guardado right there, sort of like mentoring him. Mm-hmm. So I just, I do. Which, think by the way, um, sorry to disrupt you, but Guardado played the the entire game. <laughs> it's like forty. <laughs> so yeah, it, man. It's like. Ooh. He's still got it, man. He's still got it out there. Yeah. But, yeah, one other thing, um, just an observation. I've been watching a lot of documentaries, docu-series um, lately. Uh, they have one of Juventus. They have one of Bayern Munich. And, you know, there's like a bunch of ones now. A lot more than there was a long time ago. But I've been watching this Bayern Munich one, and this is the first episode. And this is, like, recorded during kind of like the pandemic. And I don't know if you know this, but Bayern Munich won six titles that year. They won the Bundesliga. They won the the Douche Pokal. They won the Champions League. And they won the Club World Cup against Tigres. And there's this clip of them after the game, after clinching their sixth title in a season in the Club World Cup final against Tigres. They're like waiting for the, you know, the trophy presentation. And it's uh, Sané and I think it's um, Mueller. And there's one more player. And they're complaining they're talking about how terrible they played and how they weren't playing the way they wanted to and they were just so unsatisfied. <laughs> they were so unsatisfied for uh um Thomas Mueller couldn't play because he had he got he, he tested positive for for the for for the virus and he was so angry and he's over there ripping their heads off as they're getting like the trophy and medals and stuff and and they're they're just so unsatisfied and um, they show that clip to, like, the president. And the president's just like, look at this beautiful, like, 
thing happening right now. Like that just goes to show like how hungry we are. And this is like the mindset that we have here at Bayern Munich, you know, to never like always be hungry and to always think about like how we could be better. And that pressure got to the coach. The coach is like, there's no way I'm ever going to top six titles in a year. And he resigned after that, like, (laughs) because they can't handle the pressure. They can't handle that constant, like stress of like, he's like, I'm only going to go down from here. And it's just like that mentality, bro. Like we'll never see that in Mexico, bro. We'll never see that shit, bro. It's like, that is just another level, another level. We're not there yet. (laughs) Yeah, well, I mean, I don't blame the coach, and he's right. And anything below that would be, you know, going, you know, it's, it will be compared, and, and it's it's hard to maintain it. Teams rarely um, stay at that at that high level. We've seen it with all the all the top teams, Barcelona, and, and all these teams that have Real Madrid, Milan. You know, they all go through this like two to four year phase where they're like unstoppable and then slowly they'll eventually they just you know yeah it runs its course um but yeah you're at that point you want everything just leave at top man dude and <laughs> and just to just to give you a little bit of perspective right you have Bayern Munich again their sixth title in a year and then meanwhile in Mexico we're over here like whoa we got second place <laughs> <laughs> Look at us. We should be so proud. We got second place. You know, I've always blamed this on the, on the, because I think once they did Liguilla and the short season, it changed the culture of, of, of Mexican football and, and, and the, and the fans. And by the culture, I mean the stuff that we value and, and how we see, how we see certain things like, like um, finishing eighth in a lot of places will be seen as, as like a fracaso, not so in Mexico, because eighth means you're in Liguilla. So you could finish in eighth, and you're not really going to be that harsh on the team. And it's it's hard to be because it's half a season, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's not a full season. So that just adds to it and why it becomes acceptable now. And so I do feel that that the whole short season and Liguilla has changed the way the way we are, um, just the way we see football and, and how our expectations are at the same time. Yeah, but it's just like I think I think when I think of Europe, it's it's not for everybody, and and I, and I and I think that's very clear. Like I was looking uh, the all or nothing Juventus, and you know Ronaldo, you know the best player in the world, one of the best players in the world. Um, and this dude was just so unhappy every time Juventus lost. Keep in mind, they were still a very good team and competitive, but, you know, they crashed out the, the three seasons that he was at Juventus. They crashed out of the Champions League in the quarterfinals every time, you know, and he took that, like, there's a scene of him uh, when they got eliminated by Porto. Like, he's just in the locker room, like, crying, man. And he's just like he doesn't take defeat lightly. Like he he wants to win every single game, and that was kind of like the reoccurring like theme with all or nothing Juventus and this new you know this new thing about Bayern Munich is like the mentality from top to bottom. Not even just the players, not even the coach, but from like the very very top, like the president, like the entire structure. Man, it's like they have a winning mentality and they have that sort of 
standard for themselves and how they conduct themselves on and off the field. And when I think about like teams that end up champions outside of Mexico, like you think about like the top teams in Europe and you know, like in the Premier League and the Champions League, like the mentality, man, they all have the same goal. They all have the same dream and they're all in it every single day in training and stuff. And I feel like in Mexico, because we do have a short season and because it, it's kind of like a lottery, I feel like it's not as consistent. Like the, the demand is not there. The desire is not there because you can go out and win 17 matches. As we've seen, we've seen teams that end in first place, and don't even don't even lose a game, and then they go into Ligia and immediately get eliminated, and it's just like, so I feel like the mentality in Mexico is is not the same, and I feel like it's it's a very like ah uh, you know we'll 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 try a little bit harder once we get closer to the end of the season, but it's not in every day and every it's not you know it's not there, and um, unfortunately that translates to the national team where it's like very inconsistent, and I feel like in order to to have like a winning team and a winning championship. Like if Mexico is trying to win the world cup, which is like everybody's goal, like, damn bro, this process needs to start from like the very, very top. And, and it's like, there's no way that we'll ever get close to winning that. If, if like everybody's not on the same page and in order to do that, they're going to have to make decisions that might not be financially like feasible. You might have to stop taking so many Molero games and, and start actually trying to get, uh, friendlies outside of your outside of your country and get out of your comfort zone and and I just that and that's why it's like dude this is this is ridiculous man like I, I, I just I don't see things changing for Mexico anytime soon. Like I really don't Yeah well well said Jaime although I don't think the Molero and, and the friendlies has been that big of a deal or a reason to say oh well max because they don't play these games uh I, I still feel ultimately is is developing more players I, I think it's it's the amount of players mexico develops is very very small compared to what it could be i mean just look just look at uruguay we, we always talk about uruguay two million population they don't really have stadiums training facilities you know, against all odds, they continue to churn out world-class talent. And, and Mex can't even bring out the players in, in the same amount that they do. Um, and I feel that the talent is there. And so they should be they should be developing way more players than they currently are. I do think that in that aspect, the U.S. will overtake uh, Mexico in developing players. Um, I'm not saying they're going to be better, but I do feel that in the, they will start developing more and more players. Uh, I'm not sure on the stats, but they probably already are. I mean, but but I think, you know, and then it just, who knows, like, if they will do it to the point where they're that much better. But that's why you see the concern, and you talked about arms race, and you see where this concern, oh, well, they're sending all these guys to Europe. Well, at the same time, because they're producing more as well. I think Max is, you know, the criticism we've always had, they shoot themselves on the foot with this 11, 11 foreigners or whatever it is, you know, that 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 
almost no limit on foreigners, or I think it should just be three or four, but but of really you know of really good quality. Like, you know, we we go way back, like in the nineties, and you see the foreigners they were in the teams they were staples of those teams like Alex Aguinaga and, and Cardoso and th those players were were at another level now it's like you know they they don't really have players of to that of that caliber yeah until recently with Guignac you could say you know but but like on average n not really you know like the, the players that teams bring on average aren't aren't that aren't of that level. So, yeah, I, I agree with you. Um, I do think they need to change a lot of things. And I would I would start with the player development, just, you know, because even, like, second division, that's too many foreigners. Like, in the lower divisions, they probably should have, like, none. Yeah. None. And it's, and it's interesting because they did it with the female, with the female league. Really? Yeah, remember they they were just just Mexicans the first season or the first two seasons, like they wouldn't even bring in pochas. They were just, you know, no no born in U.S. just mm. just Mexicans. And then now they slowly opened it up, and it was because they wanted to improve the 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 national team, um, and and that's pretty obvious, you know. And and I I don't blame them for what they did, and and I know they cut some flag. Mostly from fans from over here with, with their ideas, you know. But I, I, that's that's like you you know that they understand what's going on. Um, I but at the same time, I feel that sort of like they think that with what they have now, it's good enough, which should be obvious that it's not. Mm -hmm. Right now, that it's not at least not good enough to get where they want to get, you know. They become a team that at least makes it to semifinals. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah, we'll, uh, we'll end the podcast with this. This is one of the most painful images. <laughs> Seeing the top goal scorer <laughs> each decade. And in the 1980s, that was Hugo Sanchez, 315 goals. Yeah, man, he was a beast. And I feel like you he doesn't worth... even get recognition within his own country, let no, alone in, the in rest Spain of the world. Not... In Spain, he does. He's he's they you know they uh, they kick out over him, but not not in Max. And it surprises me even as a coach, he still caught a lot of hate, and he had such a brilliant start with Pumas and, and everything that they won. And then he gets to the Selección and they they. They cut his process short, and I feel like we were robbed, man. I would have liked to see have seen him coach at a World Cup. It was owed to him because the Cachirules affected him. You know, he had nothing to do with Cachirules, and that's for the 1990 World Cup when Mexico gets banned, suspended because of using overage players. Um, and so he was at, at a peak in that time. Um, and and it it sucks that he didn't get it. And as coach, he was just getting so much hate that I, I feel that it's like he the team was showing a lot of good stuff. You know, it continues to be the next team that has scored the most goals 
in the Copa America. It was his it was his team. Um, that medical man gets replayed in the highlight reel all the time. Yeah. So yeah, it's like it's a combination of two things. Number one, just the mentality, and and really not holding them, you know, holding themselves accountable every single day and saying, yeah, I want to win a championship. Yeah, I want to be a winner. And then the number two, the the very very the handful of players that have kicked the ball that we have, we don't even respect them. We don't like Hugo Sanchez. You know, Chicharito had an incredible career, and we everybody likes to shit on him. And it's just like, like why, why are we like this, man? It's like I don't understand this this mentality, man. Crabs in a bucket, dude. I think my my you know what my uh what I think it is it's a piñata culture we have. When you're a little kid and it's your birthday and then they buy they their parents buy you a piñata and it's always like something that is like your favorite you know something that you like <laughs> Spider-Man it's or Bob Esponja. <laughs> Maybe, hey, maybe you're on to something. Going every Saturday morning, Sunday morning. Um, but uh, so I, I would always want like a star or something like some shape, uh, like a like the little a pony or whatever it was. Um, but yeah, that, we we grew up with that. That's that's my take. That's my take. Henry. We, we got uh, yeah, maybe you know tearing down our heroes. Mexican birthdays could be pretty traumatizing because they there's that culture of like your birthday cake gets smashed into your face. First of all, you go in for the bite and they just smash your face in, and then you got the piñata that you got to destroy, and then there's usually more alcohol than there is drinks for kids there. So it's yeah, maybe that's it. I don't know, but well. You do see a lot of alcohol at birthday parties, kids kids parties. Well, we'll let this uh, sort of marinate with our listeners. If you guys have any theories of why Mexicans are the way we are and have this sort of crabs-in-a-bucket mentality, let us know. Let us know on Twitter. Let us know on IG. I want to thank our listeners for tuning in week in, week out. Let us know what you think about the new... Uh, the new cumbia intro. <laughs> I just had to do it because uh, that song is just just cracks me up. For those that want to know the name of the song, it's Juan San Juanito Parandero. Uh, Google it. You'll recognize it. Uh, but, Joel, do you have any closing thoughts before we wrap this up? No, I think, I think we said it with the whole piñata and whatnot. I think that was our, our clo- closing thoughts. <laughs> all right everybody hope everyone has a great week we'll be back next week with some more takes and uh hope everyone has a good one peace